evening and welcome to your Friday edition of the Jersey Night Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast by fans for fans where all the content is absolutely free, coming to you in association with Forest Precision Engineering. I'm your host tonight, Brian Archon. As always, we'd encourage you to get on the Jersey Night website and check out our forums for all your latest Rangers news and discussion. We've now surpassed 6,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel, but as we always say, guys, we'd always ask you to continue to share the pod on social media, spread the word, tell your friends and family, and if you're not one of the 6,000 plus subscribers, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Right, before I introduce my guest tonight, I need to give another mention to our partners over at Forest Precision Engineering. They are a Glasgow-based engineering company who have been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for a number of years, and we're delighted to have them support the podcast. If you want more information about them, please visit their website at forestprecisioneng.com. And they also have a stunning executive lounge in the Ibrox main stand. For more information on that, email the club at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Right, thank you my guest for tonight. I'm joined by Dougie Kinnear. Dougie, how are you doing? And did you manage to make it back from Leeds okay? Evening, Brian. Um, even until our listeners, both live and hopefully those that will be tuning in before the game. Um, did I make it back from Leeds? I am home. Um, but it was a painful, painful um, journey home. I was in Leeds for work Wednesday to Friday. Um, it was actually a really good trip and um, I managed to go for a, a wee run along to Ellen Road as well and I wore my, my 1992 Rangers home top just to rub it in for anyone that happened to see me running by the stadium but um, disaster coming home today. Um, I was out last night actually until about 1 o'clock in the morning and feeling a wee bit worse for wear and I was meant to be on the train from 10 o'clock from Leeds and um, I was just saying beforehand, there was a, a fatality on the line. So I got as far as, as York um, and kicked off the train at York. And um, the train was delayed a couple of hours. And by the time we got back on the train, um, everyone was piling on the same train. So it was standing room um, or standing only, no room at all, um, packed in like sardines and it was roasting hot. So not what you want when you're hungover and feeling, feeling, feeling tender, but... Um, as I just said, there, someone's having a far worse day than than me, and um, yeah, um, you can't. You feel a bit guilty about complaining about your own kind of inconvenience when somebody somebody's just lost their life, and you know, a, a member of family and loved ones have just lost a friend. So yeah, I feel bad about complaining, but here I am, home, home now, feeling pretty exhausted. So um, give me an nudge if I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, no worries. That's definitely not what we want to hear about somebody losing their life on the train tracks. Um, now. Maybe I initially thought this was going to be a bit of a quiet week, Rangers news-wise. Um, that all somewhat changed in the press conference today, which we'll get onto a bit later. But the first thing that sort of caught my attention this week that I wanted your take on was the interview by David Melbourne that was released online and via fan media. Now, I thought he gave some interesting insights and stats around how his team operates. I think he said about 97% of queries answered within one business day. Now, I understand your background is in customer service, so I'm interested in your take and what you had to say, but also, is this the kind of thing that the club should be doing more of in terms of putting out senior leaders to kind of give a bit of, I guess, clarity on what their roles and responsibilities are? We've heard kind of complaints coming out from mostly around the director of football role from fans about not really knowing what their role entails. And I think things like this give fans a really good insight into specific roles within the club, not just the coaching staff that we hear, that we hear from you know, weekly. 
Yeah, I think that's it, Brian. Um, that, that, that's been my criticism. If I'm honest, I think Michael Beale um, and some of the players, particularly James Tavernier, um, are the ones that are always in the, the media um, spotlight for, for difficult messages. And I think as a club, um, other members of the well, the football club should be the ones at front and centre. My, my criticism has been previously directed to the likes of Ross Wilson and, and, and Stuart Robertson, the director of football. And, and in this scenario, when customer services haven't, hasn't been great at the club, there's been a lot of issues, um, particularly around tickets and the ticketing website that, that fans have been unhappy about. I think it was really refreshing to hear David Melbourne come out and address fans. I think fair play to David Melbourne for doing that. I think um, that would have been outside of his comfort zone coming out and um, addressing a large, a large, um, a large um, support like Rangers. Um, so fair play to David, and I think some supporters might not like the fact that it was done via fan media. But I actually think that it's refreshing that it's came via fan media as well because what you get sometimes from when it's within the club is you don't get the challenging questions or you you get a, a kind of very specific um, single-minded message. I think when it comes from the club, when it comes via fan media you do get that opportunity to challenge a little bit more as well. So um, I think it's a great thing, and I think the club should do more of it in the future. On, on the customer service, you, you mentioned there about the, the kind of SLAs around the, the responses. Um, I think that's hugely positive. Um, but I think what you've got to do sometimes is sit back and look at some of the other underlying messages. Um, there was a lot of undertones for me within, within the update, a lot about... Um, the amount of outsourcing that the club does, whether it be tickets, RTV and alike, I think that's that's definitely something that, that, that kind of sprung to my mind. Um, and there's a bit of a, a, a blocker and barrier put in the way of, of, of the customer where um, David was saying that the preferred method of contacting his team is via email. Um, if I think of my grandparents, for example, they're not going to be able to email. So I think there's a, a, a bit of a blocker put in a lot of customers' Um, paths there in terms of when to contact but I do think there's still a bit of uncertainty around when you need to contact David's team versus other parts because um, if you're having a ticket issue, so you're going on and you're trying to do something like buy a ticket and you're having a ticket issue, my interpretation is that you would still contact the ticket office first, it's only if you're not getting what you want from the ticket office that you would then take that to customer service so I still think there's a bit of a disconnect as to who to go to in different scenarios and I think existing challenges still remain. The ticket website is still not fit for purpose. I personally still prefer the old method with continuous credit card just allocating new tickets. Um, I, I think the ticket website's still not fit for purpose. That was touched on in terms of there is a strategic plan to, to deploy a new system in the future. I think that's well needed. Um, but I think you still need to contact the ticket office if there's issues. Um, one of the biggest frustrations for me is when I had an issue previously, the ticket office was closed. And actually, when David was given the update, he said that the ticket office is only available Thursday and Friday and in match days. And I actually think that's an extension of what it used to be previously. I think post-COVID, it was only open match days. So um, I think there's some issues there as well that the club need to address. But I think for me, David's team, what it sounds like is, is almost a team that's there to, to handle the complaints when something goes wrong for customers. And he was saying they average around five to 7,000 emails into to his team per, per, per month. Um, and at the peak during the um, kind of Europa League run, we were experiencing 20,000 messages into his team in a month. That's a hell of a lot of messages and that's a hell of a lot of customers. Not just customers, I think that's the big thing around this as well is 
when I look at my organisation I work for, you're dealing with customers. When it's a football club, we are not customers, we are supporters first and foremost. And I think there's still a bit of a disconnect there in terms of we're not customers, we're, we're supporters in the fact that five to 7,000 of our supporters are still having to contact David's team to, to put something right tells you that whilst his team are doing a fantastic job at resolving those issues within the 24 hours, we've still got five to 7,000 supporters each month feeling the need to contact his team. And I think um, the handling seems like it's going very well via the, the, the email um, interchange, but I think there's a bit of work still to be done by the club to, to stop supporters from experiencing issues. Yeah, couldn't agree more. There's definitely positive steps, but I would say still work to be done on that on that front. Um, another thing that popped up during the week that caught my attention was the announcement that um, Rangers be along with Hearts and Celtic, have once again been admitted into the Scottish Lowland League for season 2023-24. Um, do you think this is a positive move for the, the B team players and Scottish football overall and Crucially, do you think this goes far enough? Could we be looking at a, a Spain-type system where they've got Barca, B and Real Madrid B playing in the Spanish second division? Do you think that could ever work for Scottish football in terms of the B teams getting that, that far up the pyramid? Yeah, I, I was I was lucky enough actually to be on the podcast, uh, I think it must have been over 12 months ago when, when we were announced as joining the, um, the Long League. It must have been, was it two years ago actually? Is it now been two years? Yeah, I think I think it's been, been two years, yeah. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to be on the pod as, as, as that was unveiled and um, I was very positive about it. And, and the reason why I was very positive about it is um, I think these boys need to be playing competitive football, um, men's football as well, so very physical, demanding, competitive. Um, so very positive from that perspective, but I, I think the challenge that, that I see um, when you look at some of the B-team scores um, at the top end of the league, it's obviously competitive and there's some tight scores, but at times you see 10 nils. Um, and for me, that's where it, it, it doesn't go far enough um, for me, Brian. And, and um, you still see Rangers as a football club loaning out some of our, our kind of better young talent, our older young talent, or you have them floating around the the, um, the, the periphery of the first team. And therefore, you're, you're playing younger boys at that level, 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds in some cases. I think Bailey Rice, for example, has been playing at that level. Yeah. So it's, it's good in terms of it's given these boys a platform to go and play competitive football and, um, against guys that will want to be winning, um, that will be physical, be tough. Um, but for me, what you said is absolutely spot on. I think the the best-case scenario for us is that you, you are allowed to have a B team that progresses through the leagues. Um, and gets to a level like the championship that you're then not allowed to be promoted into the premiership that allows Rangers to keep our, our best players at the club um, with the facilities we have, with the coaches we have, but up against strong opposition. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's enough. I think it's better than nothing, and I think the biggest challenge right now is, is whether um, the SPFL, the SFL, allow a B team into the actual professional leagues of subdivision and beyond. I just... Scottish football hates itself to death and I just don't think Scottish football will allow that um, so I think you need to you need to do a lot of things I think every single young player is different in terms of how you handle them I think the B team is going to be great as a kickstart um, but I think it's still going to have to be complemented by by loans um, I think you'll need to keep seeing loans um, but there's, there's probably nobody right now in our 
um, development squad that you look at that's out on loan at the moment that you think exciting to see him come back let's see what he can do and push on for the first team next year I think our best young players are actually the ones that we've kept in and around the squad and there's still a big question mark over whether guys like um, Divine, King, Lowry, Ewer um, are actually good enough to go and stake a claim for a, for a first team spot next year yeah, the other interesting aspect to this for me is what it could do to benefit the national team. Now, I know somebody just spoke about a strained relationship with the Scottish national team, but if you could get a Rangers B, a Hearts B and a Celtic B in the Scottish Championship, you've then got young Scottish players playing at a higher level at a younger age. You know, in 10 years' time, you could look at that as a turning point for the Scottish national team to be doing better and regularly getting to tournaments and maybe even progressing past group stages of tournaments. I'm sure two years ago when, when I was talking about this very point, Croatia got to the Euro final. I think they got to the European final that year. Um, there was a stat, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was a, a ridiculous stat around what percentage of those players came from B-team football. And in Croatia, there's only two teams that have got B-team clubs. Um, so the, the whole argument around um, Rangers and Celtic having a dominance on the youngsters and ruining the rest of Scottish football and not being good for the national team, there's, 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 there's examples elsewhere across Europe and across the world where B-team football does work. And um, it would be good to see us try something new. Um, I think as a, as a nation, we, we, we seem to be a little bit stuck in the dark ages at times when it comes to football. I think we need to be brave and be bold and try something different um, and see if it works. If it doesn't work, it's a test and learn, bin it. Um, but I don't think we should continue to hate ourselves to death. Let's get... You know, let's try things new and, and see if it works for for the for the good of the um the, the the wider country. Yeah, it's definitely time for some out of the box thinking and one worth putting a lot of consideration into. I would say. Now, I'm going to move on to your favourite topic, Dougie, because if I know one thing about you since joining Jersey, it's that you love a transfer rumour. Um, I see you as very much the, the Jim White of Jersey, so I picked up <laughs> a few a few of the. The transfer rumours that kind of cropped up during the week, and I wanted your take on them. So the first one that I think came out earlier in the week was um, Jack Butland is a potential, I guess, replacement for McGregor if he retires. Now, I'm kind of remember Jack Butland from I think was it Stoke he broke through it. He was really yep. highly rated, and there was talk of him breaking through and potentially becoming England number one at, at one point. But his, his career seems to have fallen away a bit since then. So what do you make of him as? as a replacement for McGregor, is he the type of goalkeeper that would kind of fill that role and kind of, I guess, move in there seamlessly? Yeah, well, I've actually got the Arsenal game on just behind um, as we're doing the podcast, and I don't know if you've seen any of it, but um, Ramsdale cost the first goal within the first minute. And if you caught any of the Man United game last night, De Gea cost the first goal against Sevilla. Goalkeeper's a key position, and we've been very lucky over the years in having some brilliant goalkeepers of my lifetime um, we've got one of the best right now I, I think Andy Gorham wins it um, Alan McGregor pushes him he really does push him and um, I've been very lucky to have spent the majority of my season ticket life watching Alan McGregor in goals but the time's right for Alan McGregor to retire in fact the time is probably right 12 months ago um, so we're in, the need. We're, in the need. we're in need of a good goalkeeper to come in and replace a Hall of Famer there is um, a number of names that have emerged 
over the the last couple of months. And I think when you talk about Jack Butland, it's easy to sit there and look at Jack Butland and individually and say, you know, is he as good as some of the other names? Is he the right person to come in? Is he better than McGregor? The biggest thing about this summer transfer window is we don't need to go and strengthen one position. We need to strengthen multiple positions. And unfortunately, within Scottish football, we, we have a very restricted budget as well. So, you know, when you're looking at previous lines like Freddie Wood, Woodman, Marcus Bettinelli, Angus Gunn, Vladan Kovacic, um, who was a bit of an outside rumour at one point, he kind of ticked my boxes in terms of he was young, he was unproven, yet you could get him for a reduced figure. Um, but we, we, we'll we be prioritised our spending across, um, across the entire squad. And you'll also maybe look at it and think that you, you want to get a good balance between young and experienced players. And that's where Jack Butlin comes in. Surprisingly, he's only 30 years old. Um, he seems to be one of these guys who's been around for a long time. Um, he's available for free. He is out of contract. I think he's at Crystal Palace, albeit he's on loan at Man United at the moment. I think he's on the books at Palace. Um, so he's he's experienced. He, he He's free. Um, he is British, so therefore you're going to get good communication at the back, particularly if you keep Goldson and, and um, Davies as your centre-back pair, and it should be a, a good communication between the back line again. Um, at one point, Jack Butland was an absolutely fantastic goalkeeper and tipped to be England number one. You said it yourself at Stoke. He was he was excellent. Um, interestingly, I put out the story about Jack Butland on Twitter as well, and it, it kind of instigated a lot of debate. And um, there was one person on Twitter who supported both Stoke and Rangers. As it seems to always be the case that somebody always seems to support Rangers. It's this main club down south is someone else, and this guy came on and, and basically said. Um, the, the Jack Butland that you might remember might not be the same Jack Butland anymore. That um, he experienced a really bad injury when he was at Stoke, and he, he just didn't come back the same. And I think that's probably the biggest, um, most Rangers thing possible right now is that we're linked with a guy that's had his injury problems and not quite the same player. Um, I think Jack Butland of of the Stoke era is a brilliant signing and would would really really boost our team. And I think it'd be the right level of signing. Um, having not seen him in so long because he's, he's he's not been a number one at his previous couple of clubs, it's difficult to know whether he's he's still the same still the same player. But um, you've got to trust the club. I know we've been bitten particularly in the last twelve months with some low standards transfer. But you've got to trust the club and trust what Michael Beale's saying in terms of he's wanting to look at players in the eye and really understand the players' drive, what they want to get out of their career, why they want to join Rangers, but he'll be doing his due diligence as well. So you've got to trust the club. Um, what I would say on it is, um, would I prefer Angus Gunn or Jack Butland? I'd prefer Angus Gunn, but do I want to spend four or five million pounds on a goalkeeper when we've got so many other positions, particularly centre-forward, that, that need to be strengthened? I don't think we can afford to go and spend four or five million pounds on a goalkeeper. Yeah. The other interesting thing for me about being a Rangers goalkeeper is how they handle that pressure because we've almost been spoilt with goalkeepers, you know, with yeah. you know, world class goalkeepers throughout the years. So somebody coming in to be number one, they're always going to keep be compared to McGregor, to Kloss, to Gorham, to Woods. And I guess I think it's a bit of a unique position at Rangers more than any other club has been being the goalkeeper just because we've had you know, that long run of, of world-class goalkeepers, so whoever comes in is also going to need to be able to handle that pressure. 
Yeah, I agree. Just, just on that, I'm, I'm not sure someone like Jack Butler and playing at Stokes ever had that kind of pressure. It was interesting when Michael B was talking at his press conference today about the two signings that we got in January. Raskin playing inside quite a, a, a close stadium, a bit like Tynecastle probably, that the fans are on top of the pitch and Cantwell's played in the Premiership at some of the biggest grounds across Europe. I think what he was touching on there is that these guys have played in kind of intense atmospheres. Um, I'm sorry, there's no atmosphere quite like Ibrox and, and, and no pressure quite like playing for, for both sides of, 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 of the the old firm. Um, so uh, it's very difficult sometimes to to do, do your due diligence on, on these guys. Sometimes it's it's a, you take the risk and you, you hope for the best and you, you hope that they do settle and you hope that they can handle that pressure. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see to see who we go for if we do get a to do get another number one. Um, another thing I wanted your take on was the out of contract players. Now I know we've spoken about this quite a lot on the, the podcast about the players um, out of contract in the summer. So I wanted your thoughts on if you've maybe changed your mind on any of them. The ones I had listed to you was Morelos, Ken, Arfield, and McGregor. I hadn't initially had Ryan Jack in that list. But after today's news from the press conference about the fact that he'll be missing for a month, do we need to start considering whether he deserves to, to stay on past the summer as well as the others? And also, does the homegrown player rule factor into these, these decisions? Um, with regards to Ryan Jack, does the, the, the injury, consistent injuries and, and, and unavailability be a massive factor in any decision? It absolutely does. Um I'm a huge Ryan Jack fan and I've said it in so many podcasts in the past. But you're only good if you're on the pitch. You're only good if you're contributing on the pitch. And um, you look at Ryan Jack. I, I recently said, for example, on Twitter that if you look at the positions Rangers have been struggling in, in some of the big games recently, um, it's, it's scoring goals and um, having a, a really good central defender at times in the box. We've got two of them in our squad, and that's Philippe Hollander and Kamar Roof, but they're absolutely useless to us when they're, they're sitting at our treatment table. And I just think Ryan Jackson in a bit of a similar boat right now. Um, I seem to recall a stat that he's, he's missed about a third of, of the game since being a Rangers player, and he's he's not getting any younger. I think Ryan Jack in his days, a, a first pick for me, he's a, a, a fantastic centre mid, and, and I, I think Raskin's a better player beside Jack as well. Um I think the big question mark on Ryan Jack is what contract we offer him, if, if any. Um, I think he's, he's, he's probably on a relatively decent wage, but from a squad status perspective, he's probably got a, a fairly high squad status of you know regular football. Um, if I was to offer Ryan Jack a new contract, I must admit it would be with an eye on him playing less games, um, relying on him less as well, and therefore I'd be, I'd be offering him a reduced wage. Because the reality is that if we don't renew Ryan Jack's contract, I'm not sure what his level is. I'm not sure who takes a gamble on Ryan Jack because of his injury problems. And therefore, the, the teams that would be coming in for him would be offering him a much a significantly reduced wage. So I think, for me, um, the homegrown status is a big factor on why I would keep Ryan Jack. I'd keep him because he's a good influence in the dressing room. He's, he's homegrown. But it would be as a, a squad rotation player and it would be on a you know, a £5,000 a week effort, you know, like that kind of low wage for a footballer, for a, for a footballer at Rangers. Um, and I would be prioritising a new central midfielder to play alongside uh, Nico Raskin this summer. Um, with regards to some of the other players, I think I think Michael Beale, 
I, I think there's no question about Michael Beale as a coach. Um, some of his, his, his performances of, of the team have been, although not pleasing in the eye at times, you can't question the results that we're getting just now. And there's been a, there's been an improvement since since he's came in after Gio. Um, but one of the things that I think um, I'm not a big fan of is how much he gives away in his press conferences and when he's speaking to the media. And one of his comments today is, when you, you look at the, the starting 11 that played against St Mirren, very strong performance, five goals scored, um, with the exception of Alan McGregor and Alfredo Morelos, you're expecting the majority of that team to still be here next season. So he's kind of building up the, the squad for next season, but I think he's just given a huge clue there that Alan McGregor and Alfredo Morelos will not be here next year. I've already said my point on McGregor. Um, I think retirement is the right thing for, for Alan McGregor, but for for Morelos and for Ryan Kent to a degree as well, I think these are guys that have, that have ran their race at the club, I think. Um, I think the time's right for them both to move on. Um, I'm a huge fan of them both, particularly Morelos. I, I, I love Morelos and I'll be really sad when he goes and, and, and wish him all the best as I would anyone that's, that's leaving the club this summer. I just think they've run the race. I, I really do. I, but I think the biggest frustration as I'm sitting here right now is we're losing Alfredo Morelos, who we only signed for a million pounds, don't get me wrong. But at one point, he was valued about 20 million. And we, we paid 7 million for Ken. And again, he was valued about 15 at one point. We're losing two huge assets for nothing. That's the biggest frustration for me. It's the only thing that plays in my mind about those two players is do you give them a new contract to get another year out of them to, to, to then try and sell them? But I think um, Michael Beale made another point in the press conference today when he, he, he said there's no persuading Ryan Kent. It's, it's a conversation with Ryan Kent. I think what he's saying there is uh, Rangers Football Club shouldn't be begging anyone to stay. Rangers Football Club should be you know, a player's priority. It should speak for itself of um, if you want to be here, you commit to this football club. And I think what he's saying there about Ryan Kent in particular is he'd love Ryan Kent to stay, but only if he's all in. And unfortunately, I think for Ryan Kent, his performances have been poor of late. And I, I think... A lot of fans are judging Ryan Kane on recent performances. Um, statistically, he's not brilliant, but I think Ryan Kane offers so much more. Um, I, I, personally, I'm uh, torn, torn on them, but um, I don't see either of them staying. If I'm honest, I think they'll both go. Um, other players, you mentioned Arfield. Arfield comes into the thinking again in terms of homegrown. Um I think Arfield's a brilliant, brilliant impact player as well. I, I'm a huge fan. I think he's 34 now, but when you're talking about Kent's lack of stats, Kent pretty much starts every week. Arfield's been acting a 20-minuter, the odd game. Arfield scored more and assisted more than Ryan Kent this season, and I think that kind of shows you what kind of player Arfield is. I, I, I keep saying it. Nobody makes the runs at Rangers like Arfield does. Um the other thing for me about Arfield is I can imagine he's a massive influence on that dressing room. Yeah. And I know that you don't pay players just to be around the dressing room, but he can still contribute in those 20-minute bursts, as well as being one of the leaders in the dressing room. And he just he strikes me as a type of player that's constantly demanding the high standards of his teammates as well. So it's that kind of aspect that you would lose as well, by letting them walk out for nothing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I want to be ruthless this summer. If I'm honest, other than Ryan Jack, I wouldn't give anyone else a new contract and Ryan Jack would be on squad rotation terms. I'd get rid of them all. Um, it's probably my honest view. 
I think for, for Scott Arfield, whilst I do love him and I, and I wish him all the best, he'll probably end up at another SPL team and probably do very well and score against this. I think when you look at the role that he plays, there was a little bit of a hint in Michael Beale's comment that I mentioned earlier. Malik Tillman started that game against St Mirren and you just wonder, what does that mean for Tillman? Um, does Tillman, is that, is that a view, is that a hint that they were looking to, 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 to secure Tillman on a permanent deal? If we do secure Tillman in that kind of similar role that Scott Arfield plays, um, you've got Cantwell, you've got Tillman who, 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 who are both flexible where they can play, but you've got Hadri, you've got Lawrence, and you've also got young Alex Lowry. Um, and Alex Lowry is a hell of a talent, and we were talking earlier on about our best young players. I'd love to see guys like Alex Lowry get a proper pre-season under Michael Beale and see what he can do. And I think there's a few players that, that, that have a lot of proven to do this summer. Um, but I'd much rather, I'm looking at that, I'd much rather put that challenge on young Alex Lowry than, than keep persisting with, with ageing players who, whilst they contribute and whilst they're great in the dressing room, I think I think we need to move beyond that. Yeah, you mentioned there, but we are a bit overstocked in that kind of central attacking midfielder role. You, you mentioned Yanis Hadji there, and I wonder if he's a player that we can maybe use to generate a bit of income. Um, at worst, we'll probably get our money back for him, but he's obviously came back from his bad injuries. Probably still not quite up to speed in terms of fitness, but he has struggled for, for regular games since he came back. He's going to be behind likes of Cantwell, Tillman, Lawrence when he comes back, you would imagine, and end up still got, as you said, Lowry. So could this be a, a situation of maybe it's best that we try and cash in on him where we can? If we can, if there's genuine interest out there from Celta Vigo or I've heard um, Galatasaray also interested. I love Yanis Hadji. I, I think when you look at the period he was on loan in that, that game against Braga, you can see what qualities he has. Um, he's just not looked the same player since coming back from injury. I know he's, get, he's got to get back up to speed, but that's a very serious injury. It's difficult to come back to at the same level. And he already had his, his attributes that... that um, that I think we're a weakness. Um, he doesn't have great pace. Yanis Hadji, and with that kind of injury, he's going to get slower. And I think that's one of the concerns that I've got. And we've moved forward, as we should every single year. And I mentioned all those players before that, that we have in that same position. And if you get an opportunity to sell Yanis Hadji and buy Malik Tillman, it's a no-brainer for me. Um, I, I'd be very sad to see Yanis Hadji go, but We've got such a big summer ahead of us and I mentioned earlier on about our transfer budget. We don't have an, an endless budget. We're going to have to be shrewd with, with some of the moves that we make and you look at guys like Kamara, Hadji, these are guys that you can make a, a couple of million from. Um, Hadji for me is one of the players that I'd move on if it gave you an opportunity to secure Malik Tillman permanently. But on the flip side, and I've, I've spoken about this and debated about it on in, in, in Twitter before, you, you wouldn't be getting a big fee for Yanis Hadji this year. I think $3 million was the fee um, quoted for Hadji from Celta Vigo. You've got to think at one point you are talking $10 million for Hadji. And it's that debate of do you keep him for a year, get him up to speed and then move him on? I just think right now we've got such a a huge pressure and, and a huge need to, to win every game in front of us and win silverware next year that we just don't have that luxury of of giving guys time to get back up to speed. And I think, as I said earlier on, when I was talking about some of the contract players, 
we just have to be ruthless. And um, it's about having the players at the club who, who are going to make the difference in the here and now. Sadly, for me, and this is one of these ones that you, you, you say in a podcast that somebody shows you back in, in six months' time and it bites you in the arse. Um, I'd sell Hadji. Um, but if we don't sell Hadji, listen, if, if we don't sell Hadji and we're sitting here six months in the future and Hadji is ripping it up, I'll happily um, eat my words because I'm a big fan of him as a person. I think he's got a brilliant attitude to the game. Um, I like his style. I'd love him to succeed, but I, I, I personally, in the here and now, if you give me an option between Yanis Hadji and Malik Tillman in the summer, I'd take Malik Tillman. Yeah, no, I totally get where you're coming from. And like yourself, I'd love nothing more than, than Hadji to succeed. He gave me one of the best nights I've had at Ibrox against Braga. So um, I definitely love from making a come back and prove us all wrong um, next season. Now that we've um, spoken about your uh, favourite topic, we'll um, turn our attention to the game on Sunday. Right, see, see, see before you do, just 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 one last thing on, on transfer rumours. Yep. There's other rumours that are circulating um, around who, who Rangers are looking at, and I think there's always going to be a lot of agent talk, so you're going to get a lot of players rumoured in the kind of mainstream media that you, you don't know whether you can believe it or not. Um, so there's been a nonce winger called Coco, who, who is a left winger out of contract in the summer. I watched his YouTube and he, he was very impressive, but he had a serious injury recently um, and he's just returning and he wants game time. Bit of a red flag and a typical Rangers signing, but um, there's, there's likes of Coco being rumoured. There was the boy in the MLS, um, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to say Cifuentes um, from Ecuador. Um, that's probably an absolutely horrific uh, pronunciation, but we, we were linked with him and I watched his um, footage as well. And He's another one that was very impressive in his footage. He's out of contract in December 23. Um, so that there's, there's obviously a, a great market there to go and look at players who, who are running their contracts down um, as well as there's any truth in it. There's, there's a couple that have emerged today um, that... that We'll be interested ones to watch as well. Um, there's Kieran Dill, who's uh, an attacking centre mid at Norwich, who Todd Cantwell will be very familiar with. But Michael Beale's spoken previously around looking at players that he's, he's kind of not necessarily worked with in the past, but aware of. And, and he'll be very aware of Kieran Dill from, from his time under 20 football. He was at an Everton youngster and, and, and obviously latterly at QPR and, and the English Championship. So that's one to watch because he's at a contract in summer as well. The other one that, that kind of came out of nowhere is uh, Michael Beale's obviously been not on holiday over in Rome. So he's obviously out there speaking to someone and, and I had a wee nudge earlier on saying that he was speaking to somebody at Sampdoria um, and I, I just had a wee glimpse at the Sampdoria squad and um, there's not a lot of recognisable names within that squad that, that immediately jump out to you. Is that, that looks like a definite player that we're away to speak to. But there's one that, that, that kind of stands out, and, and that's Harry Winks. Harry Winks is on loan at Sampdoria right now from, from Spurs. Um, Sampdoria have an option to buy. I don't know whether they're going to take it or not, but with only 12 months left of his contract, I suspect that his option to buy will be significantly reduced um, in terms of what you, you might expect a, an English Premiership club to look for, for for one of their own academy graduates. So that's two other central midfield players that, that we've been linked with um, kind of today. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of rumours and it's going to be interesting as, as, as all these rumours emerge, which ones do um, turn out to be true or not. 
Um, but you mentioned it earlier on, and I did love my nickname of the, the Jim White of Jersey. I think that's brilliant. Um, I, I love I love this period. I get really excited, and and when we get like all these players, guys like Fuentes and and Coco that I've never heard of before, I love just sitting watching them on YouTube and kind of learning about a new player. But guys like Harry Winks and, and Kieran Dowell are both very very good players, and I was a wee bit taken aback by the action on Twitter when there was a lot of criticism and negativity around Harry Winks in particular. Harry Winks a damn good player, and I tell you. Uh, a Harry Wink sitting beside Aniko Raskin, the two of them can kind of ping balls for fun and they're both get a wee bit of digs, a lot of energy. That's exciting. And I think as we go into this summer, you know, we've mentioned the goalkeeper, there's a number of positions that, that needs to be strengthened. Given that season ticket renewals are out and we're all being asked to stump up a lot of money again, I expect a good summer. I have high expectations. I, I expect this, this football club, given what Michael Beale said before about the budget available to him, I expect us to go out and make some some exciting signings. So as each as each new transfer rumor comes in, I, I love it. I, I love doing my research, and um, I look forward to the summer to see who we who we bring in because it certainly sounds from from what Michael Beale's saying that we're going to do our business early, get the guys in as quick as possible, get a preseason under their belt, get them familiar with the the rest of their teammates, um, make decisions on other players that that, that he may be looking at, whether it be Matondo, Yilmaz, Lowry, see if they've got a future at the club. Um, really interesting to see what team, what squad we start the season with, and 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 um, that's what I'm here for. I, I just, yeah, I, I I I get such a buzz from uh, from the transfer rumor period. Yeah, you know, I can tell it really um, it's something that you, you really enjoyed. Um, I do as well. We feel it's uh, got me really looking forward to to the summer and uh, next season. It seems to be it's going to be an exciting period um, to be a Rangers fan this summer, hopefully. Um, now, just before we finish up, all a quick look at the game on Sunday. We go to Petodre. Now, as much as we don't like to admit this, do you? It looks like the league title's gone for the season. Is this game just all about getting a good performance under a belt, a win, building momentum, going into next weekend? And it's also just nice to beat them on their own patch. But also, Aberdeen are a team in really good form. I think they've won all the last six. I think they'll be coming into this game. Absolutely flying with confidence. Um, they'll feel that you know they can come and take points off us. Should we be expecting a different challenge from what kind of Jim Goodwin's Aberdeen team presented? Um, first of all, every single game at Rangers is must win, regardless of where you are in the league, regardless of, of what's at stake. I would never want any any of our players to go into any game thinking any less. And I think you look at Aberdeen with um, the rivalry that we have with them. Um, a number of players' futures are, are, are up for grabs. I, I expect a number of our players to be going into that game at the weekend, um, trying to prove that they should be here next season, trying to prove that they should be in the uh, in the squad for, for, for Hamden as well. I think, um, for me, these players have got a lot to prove to our supporters. They've got a lot to be paid to our supporters, but they've got a lot to prove to themselves. Um, so, um, huge game for me. Every, every game is huge. Um, I want to see a big performance. I want to see a win. Um, but you said it yourself, Aberdeen are a good run of form. Their, their form's actually better than ours when you when you look at it. Um, they are a different team um, under under Barry Robson than what they were under Jim Goodwin. Not as defensive. They've got a number of good players, Aberdeen. Um, the obvious ones, Duke, um, that, that, that also we've been linked with ourselves and Burnley have been linked with. But their big centre forward, Miofsky, uh, is a good player. The goalie, Roos, is a good player. The boy... Um, is a Leighton Clarkson in the middle of the park that, that, that's on loan from Liverpool. They're, they're good players, they're a good team, Aberdeen. 
Um, and their forms are relevant when it when it comes to to playing against Rangers. They will they will be up for this game. This is their cup final, um, and with it being at Petodri as well, they'll they'll make it a damn tough game for us. Um, for me, obviously, I want to win. Um, it's about coming in, coming out of that game with positivity. Um, and, and one of those really positive things for me is no more injuries because when you hear that press conference today, and you're hearing that list of players that are unavailable uh, at the moment, and and which ones are touch and go and which ones will be back for um, the game against Celtic. We we need a strong team against Celtic because um, whilst next season it's a necessity that we go and really challenge for the league, we can't finish a season um, with no silverware. We can't allow Celtic to win a treble. So that, that Scottish Cup semi-final is hugely important and this is this is the next game. Um, let's, as you said, let's build the momentum from a, from a win and um, take it into Hamden. Yeah, now, just before we finish up, um, the news today that we've still got a pretty lengthy injury list, as you said, that it's only looking like Scott Wright will be back for this weekend's game. So how do you see the team lining up? They'll be pretty similar to last week. And if you're feeling brave, give me a score prediction. Uh, um, I'd go the exact same 11. To be honest, I'd go the exact same 11. I think I think it helps a number of players. Matondo will get a start for his assist, though. No, no, not yet. Not yet. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Matondo doesn't get stuck yet because I think he's better on the left. I also think um, Tillman needs a game going into the old firm. He he hasn't performed in the old firm games this season. Um, but in his defence, there's, there's been a build-up to it, whether it be kind of returning from injury, not being fit. Um, he's fit at the moment. Let's get him game time against Aberdeen. Hopefully, touch wood, there's, there's no issues from a, a kind of picking up a silly knock or anything. But these guys need to be playing to keep the momentum going, keep the fitness going. Um, Matondo would be better on the left anyway, I think. Um, fashion Sakala is dangerous. I, I actually, you know, I, I had this comment after the, um, the St Mirren game that Sakala came in for Ryan Kent. For as much as I'm a big fan of Ryan Kent, Sakala came in and he scored straight away. That's what we need from our left winger. That's what we need for our entire front three is, is regular goals. Um, that's what's let us down this season is not, not scoring enough goals. Um, so I'd start the same front three, I'd start Sakala, but I'd like to see Matondo get game time because he is a player that um, has looked different under Beal, who um, was clearly short of confidence under Gio. Be interesting, he's another one that's playing for his future. Um, let's see if Beal can get a different tune out of him. But but also from a defensive perspective, I, I, know, he, yeah, I know he cost the third goal um, in the old firm game at Celtic Park, but I think Suter's looked good. I think I think Big Suter's looked like a a, a, a really solid centre back. He's one of the few players in our squad that really aggressively challenges the ball. And I think whilst it's a, a huge blow that Goldson's not playing at any games at the moment, I think it benefits Suter from, from having more game time. So it's good to see guys like Suter get more game time. Um he puts a, a big claim in if he puts in another performance against Aberdeen for him starting against Celtic. Um but I do think if Goldson's fit, Goldson comes straight back into that team for, for his uh, his leadership, his communication. It's then a debate between who starts beside him. And whilst Ben Davies has had his critics and against Celtic, he, um, he, he had his moment for the second goal. I think one of the things about Davies, and somebody's just said it there, he's, he adds balance to the team being left-footed. So for me, it probably is Davies and, and, and then Goldson that starts in the old firm. Um, semi-final but it's great to have that competition 
someone like Suta, who's an experienced player, a, a Scottish internationalist, a guy who's played a, a number of games as captain for Hearts, um, pushing the two of those defenders because the reason why Gio lost his job is because he was having to start a back, a set of back pairing of Leon King and James Sands. No disrespect to those two players, but they they, they shouldn't be a set of back pairing for Rangers at any level. So um, great to have great to have competition. Interested to see the lineup. Let's hope we get a win. Score prediction. Um, I'll always back Rangers. I'm going to go a Rangers win, but by one goal, and I think we'll concede. I think we'll concede at Patoji. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go two one or three two. I'll, I'll go. I'll go three two. And, and actually, just just on that point, one of the big things for me that's 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 important going into next week as well is a Morelos goal. I think Morelos is another confidence player. Um, his confidence came. It's shown through after he gets goal against Samirin, he scored an hour a minute later. Um, Morelos is a really big player. Whilst he's still here, he still starts for us. He's still our best centre-forward available to us. Lyndon Dykes is not a patch on Alfredo Morelos. We won't go down that route just now. Um, Alfredo Morelos is still our best striker. He gets a goal against Aberdeen. I think he goes in with his, his kind of tail up and he goes into the, the old firm game, so I confidence. I, I fancy us against Celtic. I, I always back us anyway, but um, hopefully we get a full-strength team get a positive result. Hopefully some of these players continue to build on their confidence and we go anyway. We show that, that we want to finish the season strongly against Celtic. Yeah, definitely. Sunday's these all about, for me, a good performance and get some goals and a win and get that momentum going into next weekend. Right, guys, I think we'll call it time for there. Um, big thanks to my guest, Dougie, for his insight as always and the great transfer chat. Um, as well as being live tonight, the show will be available on all podcasting platforms, your iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher. And we'd ask that you leave us a rating on your podcasting app as well as sharing the podcast. Uh, we'll be back on our usual Sunday evening slot uh, to look back from all the action from the weekend. Um, you'll be, Colin will be hosting that with Ross and myself. So until next time, guys, bye for now.